Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Mr. Bo Porter. Bo is a former Major League Baseball player who played for the Chicago Cubs, the Oakland A's, and the Texas Rangers. Bo immediately transitioned into the coaching ranks during his post-playing career and quickly became one of the top young leaders in MLB. And the Houston Astros named Bo manager at the age of 40, which at the time made him the youngest manager in Major League Baseball. And known as the coach of champions, Bo is a humble visionary and entrepreneur who believes his main purposes in life are to serve, coach, inspire, and empower others to champion their lives. Bo, welcome to the show. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for having me on. I've watched your platform grow over the years, and I want to start by saying congratulations to you, and it's an honor and pleasure for me to join your Move the Ball show. Oh, well, thank you so much. That means a lot to me, and I'm really, really excited to chat with you today. Now, something that I didn't mention when I introduced you was that you were a standout athlete in college playing both baseball and football at the University of Iowa. So tell us, what was that like playing two collegiate sports? One is rigorous already. So tell us about your time in uh, collegiate sports. Well, I tell you, it, it, it actually, you talk about time. I think time management was one of the things that I had to master at the University of Iowa, playing both sports and getting my degree in communication studies. And I've always said this, you know, as far as, you know, multi-sports, I think that young people should play multiple sports. I think it actually helps prevent injury. I think it helps prevent burnout. I played all three in high school, football, basketball, and baseball. I ended up playing football and baseball at Iowa, obviously, because the seasons split up the best. But, I mean, you talk about, you know, making a great decision. University of Iowa was one of, you know, the many schools that allowed me to play both sports. I didn't have to do spring football. I didn't have to do baseball. So that made it more manageable because of the fact that Coach Fry and Coach Banks were both on the same page as it related to me being able to compete in both sports. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned some coaches. Were there any specific coaches that really made a lasting impact on you during your time in college as well as beyond? Well, I mean, I would immediately go to Coach Hayden Fry, who, you know, rest in peace. We actually had his memorial um, last month in in Dallas. He um, was so impactful just in the way he built the University of Iowa program and just his impact as it relates to leadership. you know, when you look at the Hayden Fry tree, it's no secret why so many of his ex-players, so many of his mm-hmm. ex-coaches, they go on to, you know, to coach at other, you know, universities or into the professional ranks because he was a leader of men. He did a great job of passing his leadership techniques on to his players and his staff. And then I would go to Bob Elliott, who was my defensive back coach at University of Iowa, and rest in peace, Coach Elliott as well. 
he was influential in my life, you know, directly because he was my coach day in and day out. But he was also a father figure for me from the time they started recruiting me in New Jersey. And Coach E, as, as Bob Elliott was known, can you share with us something specific that he passed on to you that has always stuck with you in terms of life lessons? Well, Coach Elliott, he, he was one that always just focused on being a winner. And one of the acronyms that he always used, winners pay attention to what's important now. He was always about living in a moment and you have to capitalize on the situation right in front of you. You can't worry about the past. You can't worry about the future. You have to execute what's happening right now. And he would also, you know, stress upsets. And he would use this, this terminology that I, I still use to this day. He said, an upset only happens when a team that is picked to win or should win don't prepare to win. So when you talk about attention to detail and preparation, Coach Elliott was one of the best coaches in the country as it related to preparing his group each and every week for the game. Oh, that's great. And I think that's an important lesson because whether you're playing sports or you're just living your life, I mean, preparation is key in everything that we do. And that's great. And I really like that you shared with us about living in the present because too often we focus on the past or we get worried about the future and we don't focus on the here and now and look at how we can execute today and make today a great day and what we're working on in, in the present moment. Yes, I think that goes to just executing the process. I think so often people set lofty goals. You know, you look at the starting point of that goal, and I think they fast forward to the destination of where they're trying to go, and they forget about everything in between, which is the process. And I think when you focus more on the process, it gives you the best opportunity to accomplish your desired result. Absolutely. And something that I talk about often is using a football reference, getting the next first down, because we do have these lofty goals in life. And if you focus on just the goal, you get overwhelmed and then you often take no action because you're just too overwhelmed with everything that you have to do. But if you focus on the process, focus on getting that next first down in your life and really executing today, then you're going to be more successful on the journey because, again, you're focusing on the process, not just the destination. Yes. And goals are just enough to get you started. I use this analogy when you look at your goals. It's like the navigation system for your life. And we all know in this day and age, you know, a long time ago, we used to have to pull out a, a map if we wanted to find directions to someone, a key map. Now you can just type it into Google and it will Google Maps and it'll basically start to give you a turn by turn direction. So a lot of times when I'm speaking to kids today, I use that as an analogy and I say to them, when you put a goal or a destination point into your Google Map and you start driving, if you get off track, immediately the navigation system will say, please make a U-turn, please make a U-turn, and it will try to get you back on track. But if you don't have a destination, one of the things in which I stress to them, this is why goals are so important, because if you don't know where you're going, you're probably going to end up someplace you don't want to be. And at least if you have a destination point, when you get off track, you will be able to see that you're off track. Yes, yes, I love that. And I think one thing that sports helps us with is being able to set better goals for us off the field, so to speak, because we have goals on the field or on the court, taking a basketball reference. And so can you share with us some of the things that being an athlete has done for you to help you prepare to be successful beyond the game? 
uh, Jennifer, I think sports is life. And I, I've always said this, even in my book, The End Game, it's one of the taglines of the book is that sports is an institution of higher learning. And again, when you think about all of the attributes that we learn in competitive athletics, you're going to learn discipline. You're going to learn time management. Again, you talked about me playing both sports and graduating from college. You don't accomplish that if you don't manage your time properly. You're going to learn fortitude. We all know that when you talk about a competition, you're not going to win every game. You're not going to win every competition. You're going to fall short. And during those times in which you fall short, it's going to teach you to get back up and continue to fight. You're going to learn, you know, what it takes to be a part of a team. I think one of the things when you look at student athletes is because of the amount of time that we spend being a part of a team. I think that's why a lot of student athletes, they transition well into corporate America when they are part of an organization or a company in the business structure that is put together to work with other people. So when you look at all of the skills that you learn from playing sports, I believe that they all translate into real-life scenarios if and when it's time for you to stop playing your particular sport. Sure, completely agree with that. There's so many things that being a part of a team teaches you, for example, being able to work with different personality types for a common goal, appreciate diversity, right? overcome adversity, uh, bounce back from the losses after a game and continue to, to progress forward. And so all of those lessons really translate beyond the game and into our own lives. So let's talk about your professional baseball career. You were drafted into the Cubs organization. Share with us, what were you feeling? What was that like when you had gotten drafted? And how was playing in the major leagues different than playing collegiately? Well, I think one, you know, when you think about the fact that I played both sports and, and had a chance to play NFL football, I elected to play baseball because it was my first love. But when you think about being drafted in football and going straight to the NFL team and then you get drafted in baseball and immediately you're sent to the minor leagues and you have to work your way to the major leagues, I think that was a little bit eye-opening. It made me a stronger person. It made me exercise you know, more of my desire and determination to succeed. But I I'll tell you, you know, on May 9th, 1999, when I made my major league debut, I, I took a moment and I wanted to appreciate everyone that actually made that day possible. It, it wasn't really about me and the accomplishment as much as it was about all of the people that helped pave the way for me to actually step on a major league baseball field. Sure. And what was the most memorable game for you playing in the major leagues? I would have to say playing in Yankee Stadium in the playoffs when I was with the Oakland A's, and I'll have to try to shorten this story for, for time's sake, but when I was a kid, I grew up in New Jersey. We didn't have Little League Baseball, so there was a, a neighbor that lived across the street from the church parking lot where we used to play, and I used to hit the ball out of the church parking lot and break his window. So he worked on the other side of town at a bank where they did have Little League. And he brought the flyer to my mom and said, look, I sit on my porch. I watch these kids play every day. And it's pretty obvious to me that Bo is better than most of these kids. Have you ever thought about putting him into Little League? And my mom, who was a single parent who had me at 16 years old, she gives him, you know, a litany of reasons why she can't sign me up. Like, listen, I know there's a fee and I don't have a car. So how is he going to get there? Well, Mr. Taylor, what's his name? 
he took down all of those barriers. He said, well, if I agree to pay the fee and take Bo twice a week when he has to be over there, will you allow him to play? So, of course, my mom said, yes. Mr. Taylor takes me over. I try out. I get selected with the number one pick for the team that was in last place the last year, the Dodgers. Well, my coach of the Dodgers, a man by the name of Mr. Miller, was a diehard Yankee fan. So he got 15 tickets that was comped to him from his job. He decided he was going to take the 12 kids on a Little League team. It was obviously the first time I ever left the city of Newark. And I go to Yankee Stadium as a nine-year-old kid. I'm sitting there. I get Dave Winfield autographed, Willie Randolph autographed, Don Manley. My, my eyes are big as a watermelon. And it was that day that I said, I want to play Major League Baseball. And I tell that story because the untraveled eye can't see. And it was me being put into that atmosphere that actually made me dream big as it related to wanting to be a Major League Baseball player. So I fast forward to the game or the series that I'm talking about. It was because Mr. Taylor, before he transitioned, I'm kind of getting choked up here, so forgive me. Before the good Lord called him home, he was able to see me play Major League Baseball in Yankee Stadium. And if it wasn't for his kind gesture, and sometimes people, you know, wonder why philanthropy and giving is so important to me. It's because I know what it feels like to have nothing. And I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for people like Mr. Taylor who gave just from the desires of his heart. And now you fast forward 30, 35, 36 years later, that same park, which was named Green Acres at the time when he took me over there to play Little League Baseball at Southport Little League. In 2015, that park was renamed Marquez Bo Porter Sports Complex. So you talk about coming full circle. I wanted to share that. That's such a powerful and a great story. And you're absolutely right that I mean, I think no matter who we are, we can all think of somebody who has helped us to, you know, propel our career or do something in our, our lives. And so I, I think that's just a great story. So thank you for sharing that. And it's I think for those listening, I will challenge everyone to think about what can you do to make an impact in someone else's life. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture, but little things can make a big difference to other people. So again, thank you for sharing that. I'll share one, one last thing about that, Jennifer. And I want to share this with the listening audience. Everything you do for yourself will die with you. Everything you do for someone else has a chance to live forever. Very powerful. I, I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. And again, I encourage people to think about that. What are you going to do for other people so that it can have a chance to continue on and so that you can leave a legacy and instill something in other people that will, will continue once you're, you're gone. So talk to us about the transition from player to coach. Was that easy or hard for you? And how is that different being a coach than being a player? I think when you're a player, you're more so concerned about your performance. And when you become a coach, you realize that it's your job to help your players reach their full potential. And for me, I think the transition wasn't really that difficult. I had many coaches that I played for that over time, they would sit down and have that conversation with me because I was, I mean, I was blessed enough to be team captain on, you know, a lot of the teams that I played on and, Toward the back end of my career, Freddie Gonzalez was one of my managers, and he came to me while I was still playing, and he said, look, he said, you know, one day I'm going to be a major league manager. If so, 
He said, I'm going to want you on my staff. And jokingly, I said to him, I said, hey, are you trying to tell me something? I was like, I'm still playing. But he was truthful. And as the good Lord would, would have it, Freddie Gonzalez gets the manager's job with the Florida Marlins at the time. And I was one of his first phone calls to have me join his staff and be his third base coach. So again, I think it was more conversations that I had with my sphere of influence and the coaches that coached me. But it was also my desire to give back to the game and my desire to share, you know, all of my experiences with the next generations. So let's switch gears and let's talk about your book called The End Game, which draws from your life experiences in sports as a player, a coach, a manager, and a television network analyst, amongst other things. And you discuss why some players have managed to master the end game. So share with those listening more about your book and some lessons that you discuss in there and some takeaways. Well, when you read the book or you see the cover, a lot of times people think that it's just a a book that's about sports, but it's so much more than sports. And again, I'm more interested in whole person development. So as you as you read the book, you're going to realize that the book start out and it's the reason we play sports. Like as a parent, when you sign your kid up as a nine-year-old, a lot of times parents think to themselves, well, my son's going to play Major League Baseball or NFL football or NBA basketball. And that is so far fetched as far as it relates to the reason you should play sports. And we talked about this at the top of you know your show. It's all the things in which you're going to gain from playing sports and what you're going to become. I talked to a group of youth last week and I said to them, when you look at the percentage of people that actually end up playing their sports professionally, you're talking about like the 0.5% in that particular sport. So 99.5% of people are not even going to play the sport professionally, but it's the lessons that you're going to learn and what you're going to become trying to accomplish that goal that is so small of a crowd. So you're going to get that in the book. You're also going to get the responsibility as it relates to sport. And that's talking about the educational system and the responsibility that we have as coaches and educators to develop the whole student athlete and not just look at the athletic side of it and, and you say to yourself that one day when I'm blessed to lead a student athlete, I say to myself that one day this student athlete is going to be out in the real world and I want to have an impact on what it is they bring and what they have to offer to the real world. The other component is the reality of sports. And the reality is simply this. We all are not going to be superstars and we all are not going to play sports professionally. And the sooner you accept that reality and realize that there are so much more to gain from playing sports than the professional rank of that sport, the better off you're going to be in your development curve. And then the last component is the reward. And the reward to me is your ability to use the platform that you have in sports to actually impact so many other areas of not just your life and your family, but other people as well. You look at, you know, someone like LeBron James and the impact in which he's been able to have, you know, from a global standpoint, he's used the platform of sports to do so much more. Yes, yes. And so thank you so much for sharing 
all these nuggets from your book. Uh, to everyone listening, Bo covers all the bases of sports and life in this Endgame book. And I highly encourage you to check the book out at BoPorterEnterprises.com. Bo has a couple other books as well that you can check out. He has a book called Real Life Empowered. And then he has a book coming out later this year called 78 Keys to Champion Your Life. So again, check those books out at BoPorterEnterprises.com. I'll have that website in the show notes so you can take a look. And so you mentioned making an impact on kids. And so I know you do a lot of different things to really make a difference and have a positive impact in the youth, such as you have an end game summit, you have future all-star summer camps. Tell us a little bit more about those and why they're significant to you. Well, the, um, I'll start with the end game development summit, and that's actually a spinoff from the book itself. And that brings together student athletes in a conference type setting where we discuss the many attributes of development as it relates to student athletes. It's an event that, again, when you start to look at curriculum-based learning, we do it in a curriculum-based learning where there are exercises and assignments that lead up to the actual development summit that would take place in a school based on the information that we send into the school. It starts with goal setting, and then it goes to their curriculum base as, as it relates to the educational system. And then we bring in guest speakers to share their experiences, and we do this in a platform Q&A type of setting. The Future All-Star Sports Development Academy Motown Sports Summer Camp, this would be the first year that we would have the summer camps. It's an opportunity for parents to help their kids grow leaps and bounds like during the summer to ensure a head start on the upcoming school year. In all my years, I, I've, I've always said that I think the biggest learning curve happened with kids from the third grade to the seventh grade. And those are those formidable years that when you look at future all-star sports, multi-sport summer camps, we start with kindergarten and we go all the way to the eighth grade, but it is trying to hit on all of those transitional things that we know will have a huge impact in a child's development, whether it's nutritional facts, whether it's, you know, the impact of social media, whether it's public speaking development, whether it's test taking skills, whether it's a mental game plan, Obviously, we're going, to, we're going to touch on all of the sports, baseball, basketball, dodgeball, football, kickball, lacrosse, you know, softball, tennis, track, volleyball. We send them through an array of sports. Now, all of the kids are able to pick a sport of their specialty in which they're going to get more skill training in their specialty sport, but we introduce them to the other sports to make them more well-rounded. That's great. And tell people, where can they find more about your summer camps and what part of the country are you doing the summer camps in? Well, right now, the camp is only going to be in Houston. I said, this is the first summer that we will have it. And if you are in the Houston area and you want to register or just get more information, go to BoPorterFASS.com. That's our website. And you can just click on summer camp and it will give you all the information. If you wanted to call, you can call 832 799-3564. Great. And we'll put both the phone number as well as that website in the show notes as well. So if you're in the Houston area, check out the summer camp. It's definitely going to be a great place to put your children in the summer. 
So what I want to do now is I want to switch gears and I want to do my two-minute drill, which is seven fun questions like a speed round. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. This is no huddle. Two-minute drill. No, no huddle. huddle. No huddle. That's right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. What's your favorite food? My favorite food, I would have to say, is salmon. Okay. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Oh, boy. I would have to say Coach Carter. Okay. That's a good one. What's your favorite sports team? Dallas Cowboys. You see, there was no hesitation there. <laughs> yes. Yes. No hesitation. It's America's team after all. What's the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? The best piece of advice I, I, I would have to say, even when I got the advice, I actually didn't realize it until I got older. It was from Coach Fry. It was doing our doing a press conference my senior year. And one of the media people asked Coach Fry, they said, Coach, what kind of team, you know, do you think you're going to have this year? And Coach Fry's answer, he said, well, you know, in 1986, I had a really good team. And in 1984, I had a good team because Marv Cook and Chuck Long, and he went on a whole list of what those players were currently doing today. My takeaway from that when I was 19 years old or 20 years old, I said, Coach Fry didn't answer this man's question. But as I grew older, I realized Coach Fry did answer his question. And the takeaway was Coach Fry was not basing his success on wins and losses. He was basing it on the impact he had on the overall development of his players and what they were going to become. So again, that nugget for me, is my biggest job as a leader is to lead other people and help them reach their full potential. Yes, I love that. People will often ask me about how I define success. And success, I say, is not measured just by what you do in your life, but it's what you inspire and empower others to do. So that's definitely a great, uh, great observation that you took from Coach Fry. So let me flip it and ask, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? The best piece of advice I would give anyone is, one, figure out what your purpose is, your purpose and your why, because that would keep you motivated each and every day. Love it. And what is one thing that most people don't know about you? One thing that most people don't know about me is that basketball is probably my favorite sport. Okay. Even though I played football and I played baseball, basketball is probably my favorite sport. Okay. And what team do you root for? I don't have a basketball team. I was a Michael Jordan fan, love Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, Black Mamba, love LeBron James. I more so like players than I do teams in basketball. Gotcha. Okay. And the last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Um, I would probably say Superman because that's who my son thinks that I am. He calls me. <laughs> so I, I would say Superman. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for answering those. And now as we wrap up today's show, tell our listeners any final words of, of wisdom and what's the best way for them to follow you? Well, the best way, the best way to follow me, I'm, I'm on all of the social media platforms from LinkedIn to, to Facebook to Instagram. I would say, you know, any opportunity that you have to impact the life of someone else, take that opportunity because you never know what it's going to lead to. You may not be able to witness the outcomes, but just know that the world is a better place when each and every last one of us look for opportunities to impact the lives of other people. Wow. I, I love that, Bo. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I appreciate it.
And thanks again to everyone listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and that you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.